We continue in our reading through the New Testament, and I'm, I'm hoping that you're joining with us. If not, there's no better time than the present to do that. I will tell you that as we were talking about the, the reading plan as a team here at St. Michael, our leadership team and staff, we, um, we were talking about how some of us read this just a little bit differently, and some uh, read it just day by day. And some like to chunk it out because they want to know the story of the week. What is happening and, and going on in those stories? Well, if that is you, uh, it's going to be a little awkward this week. And I'm just going to tell you I'm sorry, okay? Uh, because what we're going to do is we're going to see a transition from the end of Jesus' life in Mark 16, the end of Mark 16, into the beginning of Jesus' life in Luke 1. And so it's, it, it kind of takes a, a little bit of a turn. But as we do that, and as we enter into Luke, Luke actually helps us with that transition. And I'm so thankful. And that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today, is his transition as he begins to write his account of Jesus' ministry. And then even beyond that, he goes into Acts and writes about the early church. And Luke, we know, is... Uh, not one of the 12 disciples. And so as he begins, he even acknowledges that, that, that he's listened to and he's talked to some of those who were first eyewitnesses to who Jesus was and what he did. And how amazing is that? And then we get further information in Colossians 4 that tells us that, that Luke had a connection to Paul and that he was a physician. And we may in our minds kind of discount that a little bit, a, a first century physician. However, some of the practices that we have today actually come from the medicine that was practiced in the first century. Uh, there was actually a surgeon who, was, who helped the gladiators in the Colosseum. Something I learned this week. It's pretty amazing that the first century, they had these physicians who studied and who were up on different techniques. And so that's, that's Luke in a very, very small nutshell, is this very educated person who was grabbed hold of by the Holy Spirit and wanted to know everything he could about Jesus. And then he began to write it down. And so in his transition, he talks about a, a, a key word. And I think for us this morning, that key word is certainty, Right? Certainty is, is something that you know uh, without a doubt. There's no way that you can be shaken from that knowledge that you have. Really, it comes from the science and uh, studying of knowledge, right? So I want you to think right now, what, what are three things that you're certain of? What are three things that you are certain of? It might be family, it might be uh, job, it might be comfort. It, it could be a lot of different things depending on who you are. And my hope is that Jesus made it into that list. Uh, a heads up, that's where we're going, right? But, but that's, there's more to that story because sometimes the things that we think are certain become rocky. And so what do we do when those things happen? And for me, as I think about that, I think about this mountain range. 
This is the Cascade Mountain Range that kind of goes down the Pacific Northwest coast. And it, it, it's the divide between western Washington and eastern Washington that's kind of a desert. Uh, there is a pass called Snoqualmie Pass just outside of Seattle. And this is a road I know for certain. Back in 20, uh, 2002, I used to travel this road on a weekly basis. So uh, for some of you, it might be like going to your lake house, right? You know that, uh, you know all the turns, you know all the directions, you know the dips, you know that if you have a passenger with you, when to speed up so they kind of get a little freaked out on the hill that does that extra dip, right? You know all of those things and you have a certainty to that. Only what happens when that road changes, right? And this is why this comes to mind for me. On one of my travels over the mountain, I remember it pretty vividly. And as we entered into this tunnel that leads up to the summit of Snoqualmie Pass, it had begun to snow, but not too hard. But we were also increasing in elevation. I say we, but it's really, I was the only one in the car, thankfully. And what, what had happened is you go through this tunnel, and you're in this tunnel for about 90 seconds. And you come out the other side, and you're at the summit. And when we came out of that tunnel, we came out, and I came out into a whiteout condition. And there's three semis ahead of me. And as soon as we come out of the tunnel, the first one drifts off to the right and tips over. And then another one goes straight and it starts to veer off to the left and hits the median and tips over. And we're starting to lose the tracks ahead of us of the semis. That is the only way that we know where the road is or I know where the road is. And looking in the rear view mirror, there's police who are closing the tunnel as soon as we get through it. There is a, an odd uncertainty about whether you can make it or not when you get into those conditions because you just have to keep going. Otherwise, you're going to get plowed in and have no hope. And so in those moments, that certainty that I had became a panic. What, what am I doing and where am I going? And in that moment, it's a prayer. God, help me get through this. And thankfully, uh, me and the other semi-driver were able to get to a point where we were heading down from the pass and the snow let up and we were okay. But even talking about it, you get that anxiety because what you knew was certain became uncertain. And, and we have these things in life as well. And so you may not see a picture like this and begin to get anxious like I do. Right? But you probably have other things in your life that you've said, yes, I knew this to be true, and then it wasn't. It could be a job, it could be family, it could be a number of different things. I think the story uh, in Daniel really helps us get an understanding of what this is like. Right? There are two different teams here. You have King Nebuchadnezzar, and he is certain that he is God. He is certain that he's the most powerful person in all of the world, and that everyone must bow down to him. 
And then you have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they say, uh, no, no. And, and you know what, king? We don't even have to give an account. We're just going to stand firm on what we know. Nebuchadnezzar had lifted up his own pride to be an idol. He had gotten to a point where what he knew was certain was so important for him that it became the only thing. And I think oftentimes we can find ourselves in that camp. My family's really important to me, but my job, that's, that's how I take care of them. And so I'm going to work my 90-hour work weeks and not see them. Or, or that family is king, and so we're going to miss out on a lot of the opportunities that we have to grow in our spiritual life and others because, well, we, we need to just do this as the family. Not that, that work or family are bad, but when we begin to become unbalanced, and those certainties that we know begin to guide our lives in a way that take us away from God, they can become an idol like Nebuchadnezzar. But in the end, when we see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we see that they could stand firm. They knew that God would provide for them, that no matter what, no matter what, God was there, and the worst thing that could happen to them, they go to meet him. Right? And so they stand firm on that knowledge that God cared. Now he provided and did mighty things and softened the heart of Nebuchadnezzar so he could realize that he was holding up an idol. Like quite literally, but also within himself. And he needed that time and time again, just like we do. And so we live in a time of uncertainty. Right? We can, we can look at the the world around us, it doesn't take much to look at a, a news site today and realize that there's a lot of stuff crumbling around us. Some of it's personal. Some of it is the things that we've held up and held on to that might be teetering or crumbling. Some of it is just how the world is going and, and some of the worldwide things that are happening that make us scratch our head and say, Oh, God, can you bring your kingdom today? But even in those uncertainties, right, we can hear this message from Luke when he writes, you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. You see, Luke was a, a, a guy who wanted to investigate. He wanted to know all the pieces to the puzzle. And at the end of the day, what he knew was Jesus. The certainty that he had was Jesus. And so he was writing this account of everything that Jesus had done and said and of the early church so that that could be passed down. That narrative, that story of Jesus could be passed on to us. And we already know that Theophilus was taught these things, right? Because that's in there as well. So it's not even that Paul or that Luke is, is coming up with a new story or saying that this is the end of the story, 
But he's really leaning in to say, hey, you know this. And I really think in that he's saying, and you're a part of the story, Theophilus. And he says it to us as well. What are the things that we're certain of? The certainty that we have of the things that we've been taught. Well, I really think it's Jesus' love and forgiveness that bring us hope for tomorrow. That the accounts that we read of Jesus sharing that love and forgiveness with the people around him extends into our lives. And then we see it come to a new light as we read the end of Mark and the end of all of the Gospels and we see Jesus on a cross, but not ending the story there, coming out of an empty tomb. We see a God who loves us and who cares. We see mercy and compassion. We see so many characteristics of God because of the things that we have been taught, that we can stand firm. When we're in whiteout conditions, When we don't know which way is up and we pray, God, help us right now. We can lean on the things that we've been taught so we can know the certainty of who Jesus is. So what is it that we've been taught and how do we teach that, right? So uh, one of the things that make him to mind for a lot of people is Confirmation. That's where you learn a lot of things, right? Or, or we have ESM. We have Emmanuel St. Michael as our, our school. And so our kids are taught in school. And, and yes, those are, are great resources for us to teach. But we're not meant to just teach in those areas. We're meant to be lifelong learners of who Jesus is and be connected to him. And so as we do that, we're finding new ways of reteaching and refreshing and even bringing new in to, uh, to who we are and what we do. And so uh, one thing that you saw earlier in our opportunities, and I'm just going to highlight again, is this uh, Christian Foundations class. This is how we kind of do an introductory, uh, an introduction to some of the pieces that we hold dear, that Jesus taught us so that we could teach others and we could hold on to it because they're, they're kind of pillars of our faith, like baptism and communion, some other pieces. And so if, if you uh, scratch your head and say, well, what are those things? This class is for you. And also, if you scratch your head and you say, man, I, I learned about those when I was in eighth grade. Maybe I should refresh just a little bit. This class is for you as well. This is one of the ways that we want to help teach that certainty right? But that's not all of it, right? This is part of why we're in this journey of reading through the New Testament together, so that we can see how God is speaking into our lives uh, as we read. And we know that he is, because we're hearing about it on a weekly basis. And, And if he's speaking into your life, and you're being taught new things about that certainty that you have, I'd love to hear about it. Shoot us a note, send us an email, give us a call, uh, anyone on our team, because we rejoice in what God is speaking into the life of the church, into the life of you. And so as we look at the weeks ahead, we know that uncertainty is coming. 
We know that some of the things that we thought about at the beginning of this, that we said, you know, what are three things that you know for certain? We know that for some of you, one of those things might become a little teeter-tottery this week or this month or this year. We know that whiteout conditions happen in our lives and there's not anything that we can do to stop them. And there are some that happen that we can't stop. But even in those uncertainties, we can stand firm on the certainty. The certainty that Jesus' love and forgiveness and the hope we have because of him are ours. In just a a few minutes, we're going to go through communion. And as we do that, some of the words that are used are, uh, this is for you. Christ's body for you. Christ's blood for you. This is to help us with the certainty that we have of Jesus' love and forgiveness. That he has come to us in this means of grace. And how amazing that is. So, as you go from here into life and into the craziness, into the uncertainty, my hope is that you have a certain hope. You have the certainty of Jesus that you can stand on. And that we can take that and we can teach it to the next generation. That we can teach it to the people around us in small and little ways. And as we go through this, read through the New Testament, we're going to be looking at some of those ways that we can do that. But know this. In your uncertainties, In your teeter-totters, there is certainty. There's certainty in who Jesus is and what he's done for you. Amen.